Welcome back, listeners, to another Ag Watchers podcast. Uh, it's been actually uh, about a week and a half since our last one. We've just been a bit busy, so I apologise for our tardiness. Um, but you've got Andrew Whitelaw and myself, Matt Dalgleish, uh, just for a quick update on what's going on in the markets. Um, and uh, no special guests, I'm afraid, but we'll, we'll scratch around for a few more maybe in uh, the next week or so. We're, we're special enough anyway, so it's all right. So, yeah, it's been, been a couple of weeks, but we've been busy on a couple of, a couple of projects. Uh, which have tied up a lot of our time, uh, but yeah, it's good to have a chat about the uh, probably what we're covering today: cattle, livestock, and grains. Yeah. So definitely a good time to talk about grains because it's been an exciting couple of months and and weeks, uh, and and we're coming right up to the uh, the cusp of harvest, which is uh, which is good, and it lo- it's looking positive. So what's what's happening in cattle? What's the big yeah, news? look, that's 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 the uh, more interesting of the livestock ones. I mean, um, just quickly on the sheep side, we've seen lamb prices kind of uh, move back up towards that 800 cent a kilo um, carcass weight for trade lamb, which is um, you know uncharacteristic to see lamb prices going up as we're heading into the spring flush. But I don't think that'll be um, long lived. I think we've probably still got some downward pressure as we get more numbers coming through Victorian sale yards. Um, but the cattle one's the big story. Um, Eastern Young Cattle Indicator, record highs. Just this week, we touched 8.20 cents a kilo uh, carcass weight, which is just you know phenomenal. And that's been what's in all the agricultural press. Is how how um, the cattle market is roaring. And um, I, like I don't want to I don't want to fluff your feathers too much, but you had sort of said what back in August or July that it wouldn't be unexpected to see this type of level. Um, if you go, actually, it was back last year even, we had a few, few. Um, I think it was even November or so when we were doing presentations, uh, we looked at what would happen if we had rain this year and, and the forecast for young cattle prices. And, yeah, we were talking kind of, you know, into that mid-800s is a very much a possibility. And now we're seeing it. So the, the big question is, um, is there money to be made actually up at these levels? And uh, I've just actually published on the TM website, um, today, a couple of matrices looking at, um, you know, current prices of what are being paid for the live cattle. And the, the, the net of the story is that if you're still looking at cattle around that 300 um, kilo live weight level, so, I mean, Eastern Young Cattle, they range between 200 to 400 is what the weight range is for that type of animal. So if you take the midpoint and say you're buying around 300 kilo, um, you can actually still pay um, these current prices and potentially even a fraction higher uh, than where we're at, and still make some money on a grass-fed trade, and that's assuming you're turning off at you know three fifty cents a kilo live weight or more um, when you when you put the weight on. Um, but look, there is money, but ten to ten to cents maybe a top for young cattle. I, I can't see it going much through eight fifty cents uh, unless the heavy market really takes off, and we've already got very expensive heavy cattle. So you know it's it's massively good times for cattle producers, but I think. Um, you know, I can't imagine it going too much higher from here. So yeah, in terms of in terms of grains, I think just to give a quick update, and that's what we're trying to do here is trying to get out as quick as possible and just do a, a short, sharp one. Uh, yeah, it's been fantastic in Australia when we look at what we've got in terms of production, and, and some of those estimates at the moment are, you know, between about twenty-seven and a half. And right up to a, a very, very high, very, very <laughs> seven odd million by by one particular commentator, mm, which, yeah. which which it, which also includes part of the uh, the Nullarbor crop, which um I've never heard of, but it's it's a new one. 
He's an interesting. He's an interesting cat, that fellow, isn't he? He's um, certainly got a, a reputation uh, for flamboyance. I guess would that be a, a fair description? I can neither confirm nor deny for threat of legal action. <laughs> uh, but, but look, look, I think at the end of the day, yes, it's going to be a big crop. Whether it's going to get to those levels, I, I, I wouldn't think so. Uh, but you know, we're still talking a top three finish when it comes to the Australian crop, and that's. Fingers crossed, touch wood, and I'm sure somebody will comment saying, oh, but what about this rain that's going to cause damage? At present, at the time that we go out, and I'm sure there'll be an anonymous troll, you know, coming on to tell me, you know, that it's clickbait or whatnot. At <laughs> you've, present, had a, you've, had a, you've had a few of those um, giving you a hard time of late, Andrew, haven't you? Yeah, and I've got a pretty good idea who it is as well. But anyway, you know, but the reality is that we... We've got a sort of period where we've got a big crop coming in for the most part, but we've also got all these issues overseas. And you know, we've been saying for a long time, and the, the wheat market is really a corn market at the moment. And and we were talking a couple of weeks ago about Dalian corn, Seawalk corn, and, and, and wheat and the correlations between the three of them. And what we're seeing is this, this rampant increase in imports of, of wheat and corn. And I guess I've never been one to sort of stick into government data. I've always said, well, you sort of, it's the only data you've got, so you might as well not sort of badmouth it too much. But I guess I'm starting to get a little bit concerned with some of this Chinese data. You know, for instance, they're saying, you know, we're expecting 50% of global wheat crops are in China. Okay, that's, that's fair enough. Take that. It's been, been like that way for about three or four years. But they're also ramping up their import program. Same, same with pork. They've mm. rebuilt the herd, but they're massively ramping up uh, pork imports and, and taking a, a 30,000 gift of sheep from Mongolia in the last couple of days as part of their sheep diplomacy. But that's a good point you make, Andrew, um, with regards to that whole scenario around pork, because there was um, – some kind of respected commentators from overseas mentioning that the Chinese pork herd is back to 10%, within 10% of um, pre-ASF levels. But certainly um, the discussion we've had on TEM and, and, and generally in the public, um, you and I, that if you look at the price behaviour of pork in China, if you look at how much meat, red, uh, meat imports of all types that they're, they're getting into the country, they're at record levels, um, certainly the behaviour doesn't fit what the what the Chinese stats are saying, um, and and, that, and that's a key thing though. The numbers are saying it's within ten to twenty percent of the pre-ASF levels. But like you say, if you look at the other numbers around it, the imports of meat, all meats, not just pork, the prices locally doesn't really point towards that huge rebuild. And that's what we're seeing here with, with grains. We don't need grains. We're having a fantastic you know, a fantastic crop. It's all fake news. We haven't had floods, but we'll also import massive volumes of, of, of grains. And it's really that sort of uncertainty around China that's 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 driving it. Mm. And I think the thing we've seen in the last couple of days is, is really that sort of point of view of, you know, they've got, what, six point, oh, off the top of my head, six point something million tonnes of imports up until uh, October. By the end of this month, they're going to have exceeded their low tariff rate, which means anything that's imported beyond that should, in theory, attract a large tariff. So we think, like in reality, China needs it. 
they've got a huge amount of sales on the books that we've been saying for a long time, which will mean that, you know, they're going to have to either reduce that tariff or, uh, or offer some sort of dispensation to some. And we're sort of seeing some rumors that they might be offering 5 million ton additional quarters to Kofco. Mm. But other than that, really, it's 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 a fantastic market to be in. If you're if you're a farmer in Australia, we've seen that you know it's relatively unusual to see really big rises post September, and this is actually in terms of percentage wise, this is one of the biggest rallies in in October from September prices uh, since the 2000s, which is mm. good. It's given given, and this is where I think. With a lot of farmers out there, it's giving you the opportunity to get some pricing on the books. And the only thing we know about grain markets at the moment is there's a huge amount of uncertainty. And we're seeing it coming back a little bit. We're still up 15% since August. But if you lock something in and you get a good price, you know, might as well do something, especially if you have, you know, a crop coming on. Mm. But, and that's what, you, that's what you're saying too, Andrew, I've seen in your commentary that um, this could really be a year, particularly on the East Coast for producers that, um, you know, what's, with what's happening overseas, you, you're potentially going to get some really good prices uh, and also good yields, which is one of those rare occurrences um, where everything's kind of running in their favour, which is good. Well, well, we're seeing likes of the basis level. Basis levels are declining, you know, across the whole country, which we had expected to happen for a long time. If we hadn't seen these big issues, and we're only talking a couple of issues overseas which have popped this market up, if we hadn't seen this, we wouldn't be talking about like an ASX wheat price at 325. We'd be talking about an ASX wheat price at 270, 260, and that's and that's the reality of it. We, we've sort of we've been advantaged by by the issues overseas, and that's we've been saying that for years that you know what happens overseas tends to impact. Australian prices more than what happens locally, unless you're in drought. Mm. Yeah. So, oh, so, so yeah, and the, the the only things to work watch out just now is if you're uh, if you are selling grain uh, on multi-grade contracts, is keep a close eye on the spreads, because as we do know, a wet year leads to lower quality, which means those you know, spreads can can ride out pretty far, and we can see pretty big discounts for feed. Fingers crossed, you know, fingers crossed the rain stops and uh, starts up again in the new year for the next season. But all in all, couldn't really ask for a better a better sort of month leading into harvest. Mm, exactly. And even, even better news, um, we're back to the proper music on the uh, podcast. <sighs> yeah, well, you know, like... I know there's I know there's a couple of important elections coming up, uh, you know the, the local local council elections in Victoria and, and elsewhere, you know, and we've got the Trump election and Trump said that you know he may contest it if he loses, uh, but you know I'm I'm a big believer in democracy, so we'll uh, we'll go with your rigged poll and uh, we'll go with the traditional music. So. But yeah, so we're kind of, I guess, I guess Matt, the other thing we're going to talk about was like we're getting a few guests on in the next couple of weeks to talk about harvest around the country. Uh, so we can find out what's happening in different areas. Yeah, so that would be pretty, pretty interesting. That, that sounds good. Did you want to actually, you mentioned that 
having a dig at me about potentially some suggestion I might have rigged that poll for the music. But um, you did mention the election, and it's just um, around the corner. <clears throat> Do you have any? You know, I know last time around you were you called the uh, the Trump win, even though the the bookies weren't looking that way, and the odds were in Hillary's favour to a degree there. But um, it's even more so the case that it's in Biden's favour. You want to you want to have a quick rundown of what you think might might eventuate in the next few days. Yeah. Okay. Well, I'll I'm, I'm going to preface it. I've I've been calling a Trump win for a long time, probably since. I reckon I've been calling it a Trump winless election since 2016. Um, but I'm going to preface it. I still think it's a Trump win. If we hadn't had COVID. Mm. And and I do think it will be closer than the polls suggest. Um, look, I think well the odd look I've actually got the window open at the moment on sports bet because I'm thinking of putting a bet on. Is it $2.68 for Trump, $1.51 for Biden? I still think it's Trump. Am I wrong? Yeah, who knows? What we'll find out in four days, plus however long it takes for them to count and then contest. Did you put money on Trump last time, Rand? I think you did. Yeah, 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 I did. Yeah, I got $500. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, there you go. Oh, actually, no, I, I, actually I, 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 don't, I don't. I don't just talk my book. I trade my book as well. <laughs> right, yeah. I um. I'm actually a little bit worried. Just, I mean, it might be a you know a slight concern, but just with the rhetoric he's been saying around you know the the rigged election and the you know the mail-in fraud, and I just I get the feeling that some, not all, but some, some Trump um supporters and particularly the really rampant aggressive types um are very well armed <laughs> and i'm just a bit worried that um with all the stuff that's going on there with black lives matter protests and concerns around safety and order and everything else and i just could see it disintegrating if it really is a tight election and then there's questions around you know who wins who hasn't won and it drags on whether we start to get a little bit of you know civil unrest and violent civil unrest i'm just you know concerned well, it, might... it is interesting that you mentioned that because walmart has just all of their stores I've, I've never been to walmart but i think it's one of those things i'd like to go to if i ever go back to america because uh, it's basically just a big supermarket and they but they sell guns and ammo traditional yank fare you know when you're buying your buying your pumpkin and your steak you need to buy some rifles and bullets but they've actually removed all the guns and ammo from all of their stores uh, for fear of civil unrest which I think is is probably telling in itself. But yeah. like like going back to that, I think you know, I think it's going to be one of those polarizing elections and I don't think anyone will win, actually. <laughs> I, don't, I, don't, I don't think anyone in America is gonna win for the next mm. month. Yeah. And and it, and it, look we'll just have to see what happens to our markets in terms of uh, the Aussie dollar and things. Mm. You know, we'll see going on there. Like with a lot of elections these days in lots of different countries, given the calibre of some politicians, the only loser out of the elections, the uh, the general public. Yeah, and I think and if, I think the other thing as well is look, we've got Biden. He's going to if he wins, he's going to be the oldest president in history. Mm. Uh, if he loses, you're going to have Trump, who's <laughs> he calls Biden old, but I think there's only four years of difference between the two. Mm. Mm. Like, I think one's 78 and one's 74 or something. Mm. Uh, but anyway, it's, 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 not a, it's, not, it's not exactly a youthful uh, set of sort of, sort of leaders. Mm. But I that'd think... Be, that'd, that'd be a big turn-up, though, then, if, uh, if Biden gets in and then, um, you know, given his age through health or something else, he, uh, he falls off the perch and you've got Kamala Harris in the wings, the first um, 
African-American, and I think she's got a bit of Native American in her as well, um, and female president, um, you know, uh, in, you know, she's probably just sitting there biding her time, Andrew. Biden, Biden her time. <laughs> you, you trumped me with that joke. <laughs> well, I think that's, I think if the dad joke's coming out, it's time for wind up, I think, mate. Yeah, yeah. but but I would say, I will leave it with one final thing. I have got nearly every election right since 2012, and a lot of that was guesswork. But I would say the polls are, have, been getting worse and worse in recent years. So we only have to look back to, you know, the shock on the faces of the Labour Party at the last Australian election when they thought it was in the bag. And I think the Liberal Party, to that extent, thought it was in the bag and they lost it. Mm. Uh, so, so I don't think it's over until it's over. Mm. So do I refer to you, given your ability to see into the future, are you referred to as the Oracle or Nostradamus or is it Nostradamus? I can't remember which one oh. it is. Very good. Right, it's time to go now. <laughs> all right. Catch you in a bit. Cheers. Well, thanks Thanks for listening and uh, share all about all that palaver. Thanks very much. Bye-bye. Hey.